In the fall of 1994, Diane Dyser made a grilled cheese sandwich in her kitchen, and in her own words, quote, I went to take a bite out of it, and then I saw this lady looking back at me. Diane hollered for her husband, Greg, saying that, quote, it scared me at first. She put the sandwich in a clear plastic box with cotton balls and kept it in her room for years, claiming that the lady on the bread was none other than the Virgin Mary herself. She said that for a decade, the sandwich remained on her dresser, completely whole and without one spore of mold. In 2004, Diane sold her Virgin Mary grilled cheese meal on eBay to an online casino for $28,000. The casino explained they wanted to take the sandwich on tour, that maybe Mary's appearance could inspire people. The item did indeed inspire other sellers to put dozens of spin-off items on eBay, including attempts at replica burnt toast, t-shirts, and plates. One seller even offered a Virgin Mary sandwich toaster, though the item description includes the caveat that the item, quote, may or may not reproduce the Virgin Mary image. Did the Virgin Mary really appear on Diane's sandwich? If so, was there a reason she chose to appear to Diane? Could she have been trying to deliver some kind of message? Some skeptics claim that Diane's sandwich is just that, a meal of cheese and bread, and that the face is actually caused by something called illusory face perception, or the false identification of faces on inanimate objects. What would happen if an unfamiliar face appeared in your house? What would you do? What if multiple faces appeared on the floor of your kitchen and they never went away, even changing locations no matter what you did? And what if those faces hinted at a terrible secret hidden underneath the floor? For one family in Spain, this actually happened. I'm Jaden McKell. Stay with me to hear all about this unexplained mystery on this week's episode of Straight Up Enigmas. And welcome to the podcast. Happy October, by the way. As you can probably tell just by listening to these episodes, I absolutely love Halloween and I'm already dreading November 1st because that means Halloween isn't for another 365 days. Uh, anyway, you guys, thanks so much for listening. Your support really does mean a lot to me, so thank you. Before we get into today's story, I really quickly wanted to bring up two things. First, the little intro song you just heard was actually written by a friend of mine and listener of the podcast. He wrote it just for the show, so now we have our own theme song. It's pretty cool actually because he's already got some of his own songs on Spotify and is really talented. Seriously though, his name is Chuck Flyer and you should definitely go listen to some of his stuff on wherever you stream your music. So again, his name is Chuck Flyer. Definitely go look him up and give him a listen because his songs are awesome. Second, 
I wanted to remind you to check out the podcast website at straightupenigmas.home.blog. I'm gonna be posting a lot of pictures to the site that go along with this episode that I think you'll want to see. Um, links to the show's Twitter and Instagram accounts are also on the site, so it'd be cool if you could show your support on those platforms too. All right, enough with the businessy side of things. Let's get into this week's episode. I've never been to Spain, but I've heard that Andalusia is just the embodiment of southern Spanish charm. It's temperate, it's sunny, and right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Right along the northeastern border of Andalusia is the hub of Spain's olive oil production. And I can just imagine driving down this cute little backcountry road with groves and groves of olive trees everywhere. The area is understandably a popular vacation spot for tourists. The little village of Belmez in Andalusia, though, began attracting visitors for a very different reason. In August of 1971, Belmez resident Maria Gomez noticed a weird stain on the concrete floor of her kitchen. It darkened the next day, slowly morphing until the face of a man emerged. You guys, I will include pictures on the website straightupenigmas.home.blog so that you can go and see this face for yourself. It most definitely looks like a man and it's a lot clearer, I think, than the Virgin Mary sandwich. Freaked out by what she saw, Maria tried to scrub the mysterious face away several times, but it would just not go away. Her husband Juan took a more drastic measure and decided to destroy the stain completely. So he gets a pickaxe and then he, along with their son Miguel, bust up the floor and then replace it with new concrete. Everything went back to normal for a week at least. The face reappeared on the cement floor of Juan and Maria's kitchen. Word had spread in the small town and neighbors stopped by to inspect the phenomenon. Soon the family was the center of attention and all they wanted was an end to whatever force was making this weird, eerie human countenance appear on their floor. But before they could destroy the image for a second time, the town's mayor stepped in and decided that the site should be excavated for study. They thought that digging underneath the kitchen was the only way to really find out what was making the face appear. They also wanted to take a sample to a lab to study it and decide if it was all a hoax or not. They dug down about 10 feet and found human skeletons, some headless, underneath the kitchen floor. One of the prevailing theories is that because some of these skeletons had been buried without their heads, that's why the faces kept appearing. The corpses were exhumed and studied, and researchers concluded that some of the bones were about 700 years old, dating all the way back to the 13th century. After they had finished studying the bones, the remains were reinterred in a local Catholic cemetery. The family's upturned floor was filled and the kitchen was rebuilt.
spoiler alert right now for those of you who haven't seen the movie Poltergeist and are planning on watching it. I mean, really, it came out in 1982, so if you haven't seen it by now, it's your fault, and I don't feel bad for spoiling it. Uh, in that movie, the Freeling family moves to a quiet little neighborhood in Orange County, California. But they find out that all these weird supernatural things going on in their house are happening because their home was built right on top of an old cemetery. As soon as the family hears this, they decide to move. I mean, even more so because they were already in the process of moving because of the creepy, unexplained things going on, like their daughter being sucked into her bedroom closet and entering another dimension. And also because the family is attacked by skeletons popping up out of the ground in their yard. But I digress. My point is that... When creepy paranormal things start happening in your home, you move. You get the heck out of Dodge. You move out, especially when you find bodies buried underneath your kitchen. But Maria's family stays. Maybe they figure now that the bodies have been dug up and reburied, the nightmare will be over and they can go back to their ordinary lives. Within a couple of weeks, though, a new face appeared on the cement floor. The excavation seemed only to have kind of ramped up the intensity of this weird phenomenon. Now, different faces would appear only to fade and be replaced by a totally different face, sometimes in the period of just a few hours. At times, even women and children appeared among the images of the faces. So by now, word of all of this has gotten beyond the small town, making national and even international news, and visitors flocked to the house. Witnesses to the mystery of the Belmez faces included students, researchers, priests, police officers, journalists, and even the renowned German paranormal investigator Dr. Hans Bender, who called it the most important case of paranormal phenomenon of the century. Just in case any of you are thinking that this is obviously a hoax, all of these scientists are doing investigations and samples of the cement slab were taken to Spain's Institute of Ceramics and Glass for analysis. No traces of paint or dyes whatsoever were found in the sample. In another experiment that they did, the kitchen floor was photographed in sections and then covered with a jacket which was sealed at the edges. The room and windows were also sealed with wax to prevent anyone from tampering with the scene. All this took place in front of a German television crew and the town's notary, their authorized legal figure on the case. The kitchen went untouched for three months, but upon removal of the jacket and wax, it was apparent that the faces had evolved and moved around the floor. So this pretty much rules out the theory of a hoax, right? They've done all these experiments and found no evidence of paint or dye, so how else could the family be making these images themselves? Unless we assume some crazy theory that all these institutions have maybe faked their test results. Maybe the Spanish government loved the attention the country was getting so much that they paid these institutions to lie? Let's go ahead and talk about some other theories surrounding the mystery of the Belmas faces then. One of the main theories is actually a process known as thoughtography or photography. 
This is a psychokinetic ability that allows a person to project an image onto a surface either deliberately or accidentally. For this to be the case then, the prime suspect would be Maria. Studies of the faces did show that many of the expressions were identical to those of Maria at the time the faces would appear. A lot of people not willing to accept the idea that Maria was psychic and projecting faces onto her floor think that she physically drew or painted the faces. When the family started charging tourists for coming to see the faces, skeptics claimed that they were just faking the images as a way to rip people off. Another big clue used against Maria was the fact that the faces tended to appear while she was present, but then when she was gone, out of the house, the activity decreased. A counter-argument to this claim happened on the morning of February 3rd, 2004, when Maria sadly passed away. But the faces continued to appear on the bare stone floor of her kitchen even after her death. One more theory is that Maria's son was painting the faces as a big hoax, but to this day, as far as I'm aware, no proof has ever been revealed that Maria or anyone in her family was responsible for the faces. And some believers claim that today, the Belmet's faces continue to emerge on the old cement floor. This story seriously has me stumped. I mean, to me, it's a straight up enigma. Of course, that's why I chose to talk about it. I think that even if Maria or someone else in the family were faking the faces, how would they have known about the skeletons under the house? Did someone else know about the graves and then they told the family about it? But how could anyone have possibly known about it though? You know, how could they know that 700 year old bodies were hidden underneath the kitchen? And if they did know, why didn't they go and report it before? If you want to believe in a more supernatural explanation, maybe the headless bodies were restless because they were incomplete. They were missing a pretty important part of themselves. Maybe they just wanted to be buried in an actual Christian cemetery. It could be that the only way they could think of to get the family's attention was to pop up and say hello? Maybe after the bodies were exhumed, they were finally able to rest in peace, but Maria missed the limelight. Could she have faked the faces that appeared after that? And could her son have kept up the hoax after her death? Whether or not you believe in a supernatural explanation or not, it's pretty unbelievable that the Belmas' faces have garnered so much attention. They made international news and people seemed almost eager to accept the idea that ghosts were responsible for the faces. I think that just like Diane Dyser's Virgin Mary grilled cheese sandwich, the majority of people want to believe in the supernatural. They want to believe that faces from the other side can appear to us because that's evidence of something else waiting for us beyond the grave. Is that why maybe our brains get tricked into seeing human faces in inanimate objects? Are we subconsciously always looking for something more, something familiar in this crazy, scary world? Just some food for thought as we move along through October here on our way to Halloween. 
Thanks again for listening, you guys. Make sure to follow the show on the Podbean app and thanks in advance for doing so. You can also check out straightupenigmas.home.blog for pictures of the Belmez faces, as well as links to the podcast's social media accounts. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram to show your support, which would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again, everyone, and I'll see you next Tuesday for a new episode of Straight Up Enigmas.